Welcome to the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute uh, podcast, episode number 107. And today we are talking about authority. Yeah. So this is going to be a really interesting podcast full of lots of great things to think about. Uh, pull up a chair, take out your notebook and your pen. Let's start writing and thinking. Welcome to the Smallholder Food Development Institute podcast, where we serve up truth so that you can build the profitable, sustainable food business you've always dreamed of. Now here's your host, Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the podcast. It's another fabulous day here, and things are going super, super awesome. You know, it's day 100 day 4,339 of our confinement and nobody's suffering at all. <laughs> like, yeah, no, we're just actually sort of like starting to make fun of, uh, make fun of it. And I listen to the radio and they're like, please don't have large gatherings for Thanksgiving and for Christmas. And I'm like, I, people are even planning that. Yeah, no, there were tears this weekend because my aunt who has been coming to have Christmas with us for getting on 50 years. Um, so she's been doing it ever since I was a, uh, a little girl. Um, she uh, is not coming to spend Christmas with us. And uh, I was pretty sad. I am not going to lie. And, you know, the, the topic for today's podcast is about authority and accepting authority. And I think that that's a lot of the conversation that we're having as a nation right now. And I think it's really applicable to food production and the food industry. But it's also applicable to our own selves right now and how we are, how we're going about our lives and what we are what we are doing. Um, and so I'm really excited to dive into that topic. I do want to tell you that um, we have lots of really great things going on over here at uh, Deergo Food Safety. We've got lots of um, amazing production stuff going on um, with our, our food um, facilities. You know, we manufacture food facilities. I was, I was talking with somebody uh, yesterday and and they're like, wait, what do you do? And it's like, well, you know, we have we have this this triangle that we talk about about facilities and process and people, and we make all of that possible, right? Uh, um, and so if that's where you are in your business, uh, said drop us drop us an email to info at dirigofoodsafety.com and let's talk about where you are and what you need in terms of your facilities and your process and your people and um more likely than not so we can help and we love to help this is what we do right like we're regenerating um rural economies through facilities and process and people and that's like a huge privilege and i'm so like I, I'm so grateful I get to do this, uh, even when it's hard. Uh, you know, because the, you know, you know, like we'll talk about today when we talk about authority and government regulations and things like that. It's not always easy, uh, right? Um, but it's, I mean, it is like with profound gratitude that I get to do this work and I get to have the impact that I have. You know, I get to lead the team that I have because they're all really amazing people who work super, super hard. Um, so facilities, processing people, we got you covered, folks. Uh, and if you don't need a facility, well, then come check out Food Safety University. Uh, that's at www.dirigofoodsafety.com slash foodsafetyuniversity. And it is an absolutely amazing program. Um, you know, it's like a one-time buy. It's not a subscription. 
um, you get all your training, you get all your documentation, and it's like everything you could ever need to pass a um, to get your HACCP plan together and pass a global markets program audit. And so, and then we're working over the course of the next year on modules um, for people to pass like full blown SQF and BRC audits. Um, and of course, if you are a veteran, we have a special rate for veterans because I am a veteran and the veteran rate is pay what you think it is worth. Um, and don't say, oh my God, I want to pay, I want to pay, it's $5,000 guys. Um, I want to pay the $5,000 or I'm not going to sign up. That's not how you start, right? Like if the $5,000 really isn't there, then talk to me, info at derogofoodsafety.com. Um, and if you're a veteran, you know, like let's talk and let's get you going and let's get you certified and working and, and so that you can build your dream. I am like really 110% committed to that, uh, right? And so there you go. Or if you know a veteran who um, who's in that space and, and wants to talk, come, have them drop us a line and let's talk. All right, so jumping off, jumping off from that, there was as you know, as I was coming on um, to do the podcast, I was just looking. I have a I have a feed about uh, food safety, and the top of the the, the like the top of the story um, was uh, in food safety news: grand jury charges former Bluebell president Paul Cruz with wire fraud and conspiracy. Um, okay, so for those of you who uh, remember back in 2015, Bluebell ice cream was distributed. It had listeria in it, and they, like, kind of killed some people in the hospital. And the one that breaks my heart is, is that there was this, like, teenage girl who had gone in to get her tonsils removed, and they gave her ice cream as her first meal. Um, it had listeria in it and she never came home from the hospital. And it just, I mean, like as somebody whose children had their tonsils removed, like that absolutely breaks my heart. Right. So, but here's, what's really interesting is that this indictment filed in federal court in Austin, Texas, their former president, Paul Cruz was charged with seven counts of wire fraud and conspiracy to commit wire fraud in his efforts to conceal from customers what the company knew about listeria contamination and, uh, the Bluebell um, and, and the Bluebell products, right? So Cruz allegedly, now this is allegedly, remember we're all innocent until proven guilty, allegedly orchestrated a scheme to deceive certain Bluebell customers, like large institutional customers, including directing employees to remove potentially contaminated products from store freezers without notifying retailers or consumers about the real reason for the withdrawal. They allege that he directed employees to tell consumers who asked about the removal that there was an unspecified issue with a manufacturing machine. They didn't issue a recall. They didn't inform anybody about the listeria contamination until the FDA was really holding their feet to the fire. Um, and this was like really, really not good. Um, okay. Here's the other thing is that they distributed to army bases and now they have the Department of Defense Criminal Investigative Service all up in their business because they sent tainted ice cream into um, the PX, right? They sent tainted ice cream to the chow halls. How's that there, folks? So when we talk about the authority of the government, if you've done something wrong, like, 
they have the authority to do something about it, even under this administration, like this administration, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, you know, like a large ma food manufacturer in Texas is probably not the most liberal guy on the block and probably has, if, not, if, if isn't actually a supportive of the administration, like is a, is a supporter of less government regulation. I don't think that's a, like a gigantic stretch for a food manufacturer from Texas, right? Um, and even in this administration, they are going after him in a really big way. I mean, remember, like this, they're talking wire fraud. They're not talking, um, you know, about anything about anything else, because all of those sorts of like, you know, the, the, the killing people problem um, is still working its way through the courts and things like that. And so they are they are going after him on wire fraud. Remember, Al Capone went to jail because he committed mail fraud. This is like the the uh, 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 the 2020 version, or the, I guess maybe 2015 version of committing mail fraud, um, right? And so when we talk about authority, it's really important to keep to keep that in mind, right? I mean, you know, and I was having an interesting conversation about accepting authority um, recently about all of these sorts of topics, and and, and you know, I joke. I have middle schoolers and boy, do we not have a whole number of conversations around here about authority, right? But this wasn't even a conversation with them. The topic was about another FDA issue and whether or not one of my client's products fits a certain definition of a food and then thus must comply with one or more FDA rules. And as is so often the case with clients, I have to explain like what's in the code of federal regulation, right? Versus what's in guidance documents. And that is like, what's the law and what's the standard that your inspector will hold you to. And very often I have people who will argue that the FDA or the USDA can't hold them to anything that isn't in the code of federal regulations. And they are, no lie, 100% right. They can't. The FDA doesn't have the power to hold you to a guidance document, and it even says so in the documents. But I will tell you guys, it is a distinction without a difference when it comes to these guidance documents versus the Code of Federal Regulation, but not actually for the reasons that you think. Um, the question isn't whether, is, is not like what the FDA is going to hold you to, because as we just saw, they can come after you for wire fraud, okay? So it's not, that's not the question, because it can hold you to whatever standard they want to, whether they are right or wrong. Government overreach in the name of food safety is practically a cliche, right? And, and there are so many people who are like, Constitution, you know, states, states' rights, and, and, and we don't have to do what they say unless it's written in the Code of Federal Regulation. And they are like willing to die on that hill, uh, right? That sound you hear is me like putting my, putting my fist in my hand, right? I will tell you that hill is much more a pauper's graveyard. The question isn't what is the government going to do? Because clearly the government can do whatever it wants to when it comes to holding, your, holding you responsible if you really harm somebody. I mean, guys, wire fraud, right? The question is, what are you going to hold yourself to? 
in the realm of food production, there are so many things that you control and that you do have authority over because that's what the question is, is what's the authority? You have so much authority. You are the one that is there every day in the food facility. Um, and it's up to you to exercise that authority and exercise that authority well and make the decision to exercise it really well. Because if you, if you are there and you are exercising the authority that you have under preventive controls or HACCP or good manufacturing practices, the FDA or any other regulatory body would have a lot less excuse to find fault. Huh? Is that unfair? Of course. But like, you know, we say around our house, uh, you know, fair is where pigs win ribbons. Like life is not fair. Okay. We also are pretty fond of saying, if you can't do the big stuff well, you're not doing the little stuff well. And so every time one of these gigantic recalls happen, we, you know, the auditors, the regulators, and I've been on those teams walk in and the places, as my sergeant used to say, tore up from the floor up, right? So somebody that gets like that much listeria into food is doing accumulation of things incorrectly and they know it and they are, they are freely releasing their authority and their power. Because the thing is, is it's so much easier to argue with authorities over the smaller points of the Code of Federal Regulation and the guidance documents if you're doing all your GMPs correctly, if you are doing, um, if you're doing allergen control correctly and you don't have crackers in your production room, like I saw that fairly recently, right? This is a matter of human nature and it is the nature of the humans that are coming into your building as government officials. If they see that, you know, they're there on something wholly unrelated and they see that there are like wheat crackers in the production room, what are you going to like? They're not going to take you very seriously that you know what you're talking about. If those wheat crackers are like personal food in the production room, right? A government inspector that sees that you are doing the big things wrong, like not following GMPs or allergen controls or anything like that, has absolutely no reason to believe you around the finer points of law. Now, you can expend a ton of time, money, and energy in making um, them see your things your way, and it may be worth it, but like, how the heck do you know? And that's the real question is, is how do you know whether or not it's worth the time, money, and energy? Because in some instances, it actually well may be. You're doing everything right, and they're coming in because they don't have, um, you know, they don't like what you're doing. That happens in slaughter plants a lot. They don't like what you are doing. They don't want to do small capacity slaughter. They don't want to, they don't want to have anything to do with it. And so they just nitpick you to the death, right? So we're going to follow that six step process. All right. And you're going to think through it first about what you would have to do to go solve this problem, right? So step number one is you're going to form your team. Who is going to help you to think through and tackle this issue? Because if you are taking on your local inspector and your local inspection system or the whole federal government, you cannot do this alone, okay? This is going to require a significant outlay of money. And are you prepared to pay people to help you? Food safety is a team sport, my friends. Are you prepared for what it's going to take 
all right, for you to move forward? And do you have the team behind you, whoever that may be? Okay. Step two is you're going to describe your problem. What is the narrowest definition of the problem that you can create? Right? I mean, I have a ton of people who are like, let's overturn the preventive controls rule. No, that is a non-starter. Don't start there. Zoom in and get really, really, really specific about the problem that you are having, right? And why you think you were doing the right thing, okay? Do not go die on the hill of overturning FISMA because it will never work. And, play, you know, some of you are still trying to overturn the mega reg, and that was, like, published in 1996. Like, we've had a generation of people who have learned to, like, do meat manufacturing under HACCP. Please don't keep trying to overturn the mega reg because it's not going to work. So then the next question, the next question is, for whom are you solving this problem? Human nature is is really such that if we are solving a problem for ourselves and only ourselves, it really is tiring. Um, and so, I mean, like a lot of us can focus on our own selves and our own problems in the short run, but folks, we're really a communal species. Figuring out a larger set of people or businesses that you're gonna help by solving your issue will really help keep up your resolve. Because one of the things the government has is infinite resources. And you know what you don't have? Infinite resources, right? And so you've gotta, you've gotta find those resources within yourself and within your community. And you can use this process to like drive community, um, okay? So number four, how are you planning on solving this problem? This is where we get to the how. Everybody wants to start with the how. Look, this is, this is step four of a six-step process, friends. How is number four. It's unlikely that you're going to solve this problem uh, perfectly with your initial efforts. What are you going to do when your first efforts fail? How many ways can you and your team figure out a solution to this problem? Step number five, once you figure out the how, is you actually have to go and do it. You have to make the phone calls, you have to write the emails, you have to write the blog posts, you have to come on the podcast, you have to like, whatever it is that you are doing that you have identified that you're gonna do, now you gotta go actually do it. And then as you do it, you implement step six, which is my three favorite questions. We get in there and we evaluate and we say, okay, what's working, what didn't work, what am I gonna go do differently? All right, and so, you can deploy that after action reporting process in very competent ways to make your response to the government better. Okay. But you got to think through it first. You got to decide whether this is the emotional energy you're willing to expend, if this is the time and talent and treasure in that order. Okay. It may be, and that is really, really great. But no, by expending your time and money and effort on one project, you cannot put it to another project. You are in business to make a profit. And are you sacrificing that profit for a hill that is worth dying on? Or do you see wherever you're going with this and whatever you're doing is a key to profitability? And it may be. But once you go through that six-step process, you're going to have a much clearer answer and you're going to know whether or not you want to put that, that time, money, and effort into it. 
Alrighty, my friends, that's what we got for the podcast this week. I love you all so much. Come join us on the proofing box. Um, we have lots of great conversations over there. And of course, um, that you can come check out what we're doing over at Food Safety University, www.dirogofoodsafety.com slash food safety university. And you guys have a week full of awesome and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Be sure to join us in The Proofing Box, a private Facebook page for food producers filled with valuable information and technical tips. Grow your business by learning from people just like you, all under the guidance of a food safety expert.